Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is, what exactly goes into a business exit plan, and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting EXIT PLAN with no spaces to 44222. That's EXIT PLAN to 44222. Again, text EXIT PLAN to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, If you've been anywhere and heard anything, uh, whether you're watching TV or you've been on a cruise ship or you've been to a Vistage Worldwide type of a meeting, uh, you've probably heard of my next guest. He's been with us many times uh, and he's always a pleasure to have back on the show, Dr. Jerry Kornfeld, and he is uh, Ask Dr. Jerry. That's how you might know him. Ask Dr. Jerry is a service he provides where you can uh, call and or email in your your questions and your tips and um, and get some good medical information from someone who is an experienced medical doctor and uh, is here to help you. So, Dr. Jerry, welcome back to the show and thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you, Bill. Great to be with you. Great to be with you, Dr. Jerry. Happy New Year to you and the same to you and everybody. I hope uh, that uh, it's a it's a breakout year for you and that you're able to really get the message across that you want to get across, which is uh, people can live longer with dignity and style and and they just need to follow some simple rules to get on track and uh, avoid uh, some of the health problems that, that are facing most of America by doing some simple things, and we're going to talk about that today. Uh, and first of all, first I wanted to start off by asking you, uh, you've been doing, uh, how many how many uh, speeches and uh, 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 dissertations and, and that type of thing, how many did you end up doing last year, do you know? You know, I didn't put a total count in, but it was quite a few, quite a few. Uh, and what's taking a lot of my time, as I think I mentioned to you now, is I'm doing these talks for the retirement villages on living to 100 with quality. Uh, and I'm doing a series, those are a series of five talks. So I've got quite a bill. I, I don't keep track of the numbers, Bill, but I did quite a few. That's great. Well, that's the key is to, to keep up the activity, keep doing what you're doing, and get the word out about how people can live to 100. Again, like you say, the most important two words, with quality. So let's talk Absolutely. a little bit about what's, what's new with you. You know, one of the questions we've had uh, from some people is, uh, is uh, it's frequently asked, how long is a prescription good for, and oh. what, is it, what about that date on the bottle? Oh, well, that probably is one of the most common questions that cause much anxiety amongst many, many patients because you get a prescription, and it's got a date on it that it expires. And uh, you, you, you don't use it all up, and maybe a year passes, and all of a sudden you get a similar type of a problem. doctor wants to put you back on that same medication. Uh, you got it at home, but you're afraid to take it because the date is expired. So what has happened? It's really fascinating about this. The military, interestingly enough, had a major problem. They had a warehouse filled with drugs, and they were all outdated. 
and they were about to reorder all of those drugs for all of their uh, military needs. When some smart um, officer got the idea that, well, how do we know these drugs really are not any good just because the data is on there? So they did a survey. They studied the drugs to find out if they were still valid. Guess what they found? Lo and behold, Bill, most of those drugs still had strong validity, and now they come up with this conclusion, the military came up with this conclusion, that these drugs are good for at least five years after the date on the bottle. Oh. Now, the one exception, the one exception uh, are, are liquids, uh, because liquids don't last as long. But you have a pill or a capsule, the military's conclusion is that they're good for at least five years. So, you know, nobody wants to accuse the pharmaceutical companies of, of doing that. They're just trying to play safe, I guess. But that's a very important question. So always, always check with your own doctor and make sure that your doctor agrees with that and he wants you to use that medication. But this is the study that was done by the military and it's been published and it's just it's changed the whole way that we think about how long a drug is good for. Well, that's good to know because I'm uh, – well, what about uh, – what do you think about uh, – Things like over-the-counter, like vitamins and things along those lines, would those be different, do you think? Well, I don't know if they did any surveys on those. Um, it, mm -hmm. it depends upon what the product is and what, it, what it's being used for, uh, mm -hmm. the validity. Um, but I would, I would think that this stuff, most of it has a date that's longer than the date that's on the bottle. How long exactly? Yeah. I said the military came up with the five-year thing. How long exactly? But, um, you know, if you have something and it's a year old, um, I, th I think I, I would probably still use it based upon that study. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, so that's, it, that's great to know. That's great to yeah. know. And a lot of people are, you know, will will go in and out of phases of either um, needing something or using something. So that's that's good information to know. Um, now we want to talk today about a, a new area of research in heart disease because uh. it's the number one killer out there. So uh, let, let's get yeah. into that because I think that's a real exciting. Uh, topic for our listeners to, to understand, you know, uh, what do they need to know and what's happening in that area? Well, you know, Bill, this is my favorite subject. It's a topic I wrote my book about. It's a topic I love to do the talks about. You know, the book of your 100-year heart goes into all these details. But new stuff is constantly coming on the horizon, and I spend every day researching, looking to see the latest things. And there's something that's happening right now. It's been a research for a couple of years, some work that's being done at the Cleveland Clinic and other places, looking at a very interesting phenomenon. The phenomenon, we've talked about this, and that is that uh, red meat is associated with an increase in sudden cardiac death studies that were done at Harvard and other places. And we've also talked about the fact that red meat um, has some risk factors, and we really think that all the studies that have been done indicating that red meat as a, uh, a precursor for heart disease are all very, very valid. Well, we knew about it. We thought this was probably the cholesterol, the saturated fat that I've talked about, depositing the walls of the arteries. But Cleveland Clinic and other facilities have some fascinating study because they're now talking about the fact that this red meat was involved. They're looking to see why was it involved. We always thought that was because of the cholesterol saturated fat. Well, they have come up with a new concept, and it has to do with the bacteria in your gut. This is really fascinating. We always are concerned about the environment and how the environment is harming us. But the one area of the environment that we don't pay much attention to is the foods we put in our body. And this study started to look at the relationships of the bacteria in your gut and 
cholesterol dep- deposition, and heart disease. And they've come up with a very significant finding. They've come up with a fact that this bacteria that's in your intestine, when the food comes into your body, and the food has in it something called choline, that choline is metabolized by the uh, bacteria in your gut to a product that we called initials TMAO. And those are initials that you want to start remembering because they're going to be as important as cholesterol. Up until now, we've used cholesterol as one of the indicators. We measure cholesterol, we look at the HDL, the LDL component of the cholesterol, and we come up with some statistics of how we want to treat you with the statins, et cetera. Well, they're coming up now, and they're finding out that the TMAO is a significant factor. Remember now, it's the bacteria in your gut that's working on this choline that's coming in. And where is the choline coming in? What foods are bringing the choline into your body? Well, red meat. Red meat is high in choline. So are eggs, so are dairy products. Uh, it's in a lot of foods, but red meat seems to be the highest level. You eat the red meat, it brings the choline into your body. This bacteria in your gut works on it, metabolizes it, and forms this product called TMAO. TMAO. That works on the um, ability of this cholesterol to be formed. It then makes the uh, cholesterol a little more active. It inflames the arteries uh, in the heart. And because of it, plaque starts to break off, and there's the heart attack. It's just a whole fascinating new concept. So we're going to start talking about cholesterol and the bugs that are in your intestinal tract. I mean, this is amazing. We have all these bugs in our body. You know, we talk about probiotics. Are you familiar with probiotics? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I've heard all right. of probiotics. We talk probiotics, about probiotics, yeah. and we're talking about taking them because they're good for the digestive tract, etc. But we're also talking about the fact these are good bacteria, and they're now this suspicious that the probiotics may be playing a role in keeping these harmful bugs that are in your intestine from doing its uh, work on the choline. So hmm. uh, it's, it's a fascinating concept because it's a whole new area that we're going to start measuring. They're not doing it routinely yet all over, but the Cleveland Clinic, they're doing these uh, tests, these choline uh, studies and the TMO studies, and they're looking to see what effect it's having. And the results, as I said, are fascinating. So it's 2017. Um, all kinds of new stuff is coming up. So for the new year, I want to give you a whole new concept of what we're thinking about now as causing uh, elevated cholesterol. Uh, and this whole concept of heart disease and the plaque that forms it with the heart disease. Um, Perfect. It's be, I have it's, my it's, pencil ready. Go ahead. So, Dr. Jerry, let me ask you a question before we move on there. So you said you said uh, red meat and also eggs, and, and what other types of foods create choline? Dairy products. Dairy products. Dairy. dairy. Okay. So those are the three most. It is found, choline is found in many, many foods, but it seems to have its highest levels in those three groups of foods. And those three groups of foods are the foods, remember I talked about DEA, you know, the bywords mm-hmm. that I go by, the acronym, D stands for diet, E stands for exercise, A stands for uh, attitude. Well, here we find that DEA, again, as I told you, it is the beginning of all of the disease processes. I'm a firm believer, and I tell all my audiences about uh, longevity, that DEA plays a role because it's all your lifestyle. We know for a fact, and I repeat myself, I know, but it's such important stuff. Your lifestyle is the precursor to your longevity. So here we go back to DEA. The very first thing is diet, the foods you put in your body. And lo and behold, now we're coming up with the fact that the bacteria in your intestinal tract, 
There's good bacteria and bad bacteria. You know, when we give you antibiotics, the thing we worry about is the antibiotics are going to kill the bad bug and get rid of the disease, but in the same process, it's going to kill the good bug. So you get some mm-hmm. side effects from that, and that's why we like to recommend taking in these probiotics. Well, here we're now we're coming up with a whole new concept of the relationship of these bad bugs and heart disease. It's just a fascinating, fascinating area uh, relative to how mm-hmm. we're going to be treating it, how we're going to be treating it. Now, what they're suggesting doing uh, as far as treatment is concerned is, number one, probiotics. So I'm recommending now, and I've been doing it for a while before this news came out, that everybody on a daily basis take probiotics. These are the good bacteria that your body is going to be replacing because of antibiotics or other things. Plus, they play a tremendous role in digestion, in the digestive process, and now we're saying they play a role in in heart disease. So it's a very, very positive area. So 2017 is starting off with a very exciting bang. That's great. Now, I, I know with probiotics, I've seen, you know, there's, there's yogurts that promote that they have a lot of probiotics in them. There's pill form. Is there a, a preferred way to get probiotics into your body? Well, the, the, we always, before probiotics came on the market, there's a bacteria in your intestine, a good bacteria called lactobacillus. That lactobacillus is the good bacteria that you kill off when you take antibiotics. Well, yogurt is a great source of lactobacillus. <clears throat> so is uh, buttermilk, uh, so are all these products. So we've always recommended, uh, especially ladies uh, who have a, a vaginal infection, uh, have a chance of getting a, a, another problem, uh, we suggest they take probiotics or lactobacillus when they're taking the antibiotics. Well, now they're available in capsules. The problem is there's so many different ones on the market. Um, you go into the stores and you'll see about five or six different probiotics. And it all has to do with the billions of bacteria in the product. The number of bacteria that they list is what controls the validity of the probiotic. So you want to have something that's got at least three to five billion bacteria in a capsule. And it should have more than one, it should have more than one bacteria. So look at the label carefully. Uh, but the best way to get them now, the simplest way, is just with the capsules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, especially on... on you know, in light of the fact that the dairy product is is not preferable, it sounds like in your for the choline. Yeah, the, the dairy products have the choline. Exactly. <laughs> if you take it by yogurt, then, yeah. Well, yogurt uh, has it, but it's got all the lactobacillus in it, which makes up for right. that. So I would I, I'd be mostly concerned, <laughs> as I have told you before, about the red meats. The dairy products yep. you can you can switch up to the non-fat dairy products, uh, so you won't have the cholesterol issue. Yeah, yeah, and and there are, of course it seems like there would be other factors with that, like how digestible is the food that you're eating. Where red meat is is not as digestible as say uh, something in egg form or uh, or dairy products, I would imagine. Well, well, Bill, I I don't get too concerned about that because your digestive system is prepared to handle most of the stuff you as far as digestion is concerned. But we do worry about the things that you're getting that you don't want to get, and that is the cholesterol and now this TMAO. Uh, business. Uh, that's the stuff. And the choline, uh, which is in a lot of foods. Choline is in a lot of foods, but it seems that the levels are the highest in, the, in those three groups of foods, which are also the same groups of foods that we say to avoid uh, when I talk about DEA on the diet aspect. So it's also fitting into place, but it's giving us a new statistic. By the way, measuring the uh, the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the TMAO uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be a routine thing done. 
And the thing that's really fascinating about it is that TMAO levels are three times more um, indicative of heart disease. So cholesterol levels we are concerned about, but TMAO levels are going to be three times more indicative of heart disease and, of course, potential heart attacks. So if your TMAO levels are high, uh, that is going to be a great, great indicator of you having a, a future heart attack. So that will wow. probably be available. I'm not sure how soon it's going to be in doctor's offices, but I know the Cleveland Clinic is using it routinely right now. Uh, but so it's, if, it's if, you're, be, if you're getting ready to, to get a, your annual physical and, and your, your doctor requests a blood panel, should, should you perhaps request that they ask for that level if they, well, in case they aren't doing that yet? Yeah, it, can, it certainly cannot hurt to ask for a TMAO, but I don't think it's generally available in doctor's offices yet. This is something that's new. It's been around for a couple of years, statistics, research, et cetera, but now they're coming out with all this exciting stuff. So keep it in mind. Keep it down with you. And no question, mm-hmm. when you're in the office, mention it to your doctor um, and, and see if they're, they're doing the test routinely yet. I think it's going to be a little bit of a while, maybe this year, maybe next year, but it's something to be aware of, something to be aware of. Something that's, that's great really information. Exciting. Yeah. That's great information. Um, yeah, there's there's one other thing relative to that. Any questions about this before I go on to a little bit different subject? No, uh, Dr. Jerry, it's always great to have you on. You're you're always five steps ahead of the rest of us, so that's great information to know. Thank you very much for that. So no, I'm okay. I'm good. Well, one other thing I want to add because it's something that statistics has just come out. You know, we keep track every year of the incidence of coronary artery disease and. With all the programs that we have out there and with the statin drugs and with folks who are giving lectures and writing papers and I'm talking about DEA, et cetera, uh, we, have, we have observed that the incidence of coronary artery disease has been decreasing, and we're pretty excited about that from the medical profession. But lo and behold, the numbers just came out for 2015, and much to our unhappiness, the number went up in 2015. And so... All this stuff that I'm getting out, I'm working hard enough to get it out because something happened in 2015 that they're, they're not really sure about yet. 2016 statistics won't be in for a while yet, but 2015 the numbers went up, and they're looking to see why that is. So I urge everybody, let's make 2017 a fantastic year. Let's get those numbers down. Let's get heart disease out of our vocabulary, and let's take it away from being the number one killer. That's my goal for 2017. That's a great goal. And um, one other statistic I, I heard somewhere along the line was that it might have been, uh, it might be a couple years old numbers by now, but they were just announcing that the the life expectancy actually uh, did not lengthen in the last couple of years. It actually shortened by a month or two. Yes, did you hear that, that statistic? Yes, absolutely. Those, those numbers went down. And again, they are, they are not sure what may be due to. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, but, yeah, those numbers are changing a little bit in the past year because we have been increasing our longevity, as we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. You know, we've doubled our longevity in the past 100 years. So we've been increasing it statistically. But uh, something happens. A fluke occurs, and they're looking to see what that fluke is, and hopefully they'll find it and we'll be able to correct it. Well, I, I, hope, I certainly hope so. And, of course, <clears throat> uh, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, tell them the best way to do that if they have a question or if they uh, want to uh, ask you to speak at their event, especially for 
seniors or on cruise ships or if they're Vistage Worldwide members? What's the best way for them to reach you, Dr. Jerry? Okay, absolutely correct. I, I want to reemphasize that Ask Dr. Jerry is available to all of your audiences, and there's no fee for this. I'll give you my email address. You have a question. I'm not going to diagnose or treat you, but I certainly can answer your question. So Ask Dr. Jerry. You can reach me at my email, K J as in Jerry, B as in Bob, K-O-R-N, K-J-B Corn at AOL, K-J-B K-O-R-N at AOL. You email me, you have a question, I'll get back to you. But all of your audiences, I welcome your questions, and I do this with every audience I speak to. Ask Dr. Jerry is available to answer your questions. So you email me, and I'll get back to you, I guarantee it. Excellent. Well, so good to have you on again, and I wish you all the best for the new year, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you again soon, Dr. Jerry. Thanks so much. Looking forward to it. Thanks again, Bill. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back after. 